All right, so everyone, welcome back to episode 12. It's been a while. Um, so we have myself, we have Mike here, um, as always. Ben is studying for some exams, uh, for his big real estate exam. So shout out to Ben. Hopefully, he, if you need a house, call Ben. Uh, tweet at us, and we will find you a house. Uh, additionally, we have Rob Young here from Sixer Saturdays, yeah. uh, as we always do. So welcome, Rob, again from L.A. Um, how's it out there? Uh, surprisingly chilly, kind of. Right. It's, cl- it's, it's cooler than home. Sweet. But, well, w- but when you guys make the swing down, I make the swing back up to the 80s. So mm. that's what I'm yeah. looking forward to. And we will go out there and visit. But, um, but I, now, Rob. Not yet. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you on the side. I'm really waiting for people to come. All that. right. Yeah. Sweet. So basically, we wanted to get Rob out here. Just We wanted to talk about some things. Um, we wanted to go over, A, the Sixers New Jerseys. Um, because that's a high button, to- high button topic. Um, B, we want to talk about the new Sixers moves. So we have a new front office, basically, basically an entirely brand new front office, entirely new coaching staff. Um, super excited about that. So we're going to review that. After that, we're going to go over the NBA draft, which is happening uh, next Wednesday. Uh, is that what? That's November 12th. Today is November 12th, sorry, but November uh, 18th. 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 Yeah. yeah. So November 18th, the draft Sixers own the 21st pick as well as I believe four or three second round picks. Um, so we'll kind of get into that and we'll do a, we'll do a pretty in-depth mock draft and talk about some players we like, but uh, yeah. So let's just start with uh, Sixers new uniforms. How did you guys feel about the uniforms and I guess initial reactions? All right. So I'll, I'll take this first. My, my initial gut reaction to, to the jerseys was like, I really didn't like them at first. And that's just because like they were hinting at black jerseys for so long and it wasn't the black jerseys. I think a lot of us as fans were hoping to see, you know, that classic AI early 2000s black jersey. Um, but honestly, you know, looking back on it, they're not bad. Like, I don't think they're not cool. Like Boathouse Row, I guess is a Philly landmark to some extent. Um, but you know, I'm sort of just indifferent towards them. I think they're an okay Jersey. They didn't really hit it out of the ballpark or anything like that though. Yeah. Yeah, So I was disappointed because they weren't the AI ones because really it's, you can't, don't put AI in all the ads if it's not going to be his jersey. Right. Like, yeah. Allen Iverson doesn't mean black jersey. Allen Iverson means that black jersey. Like, yeah. that's my only issue with it because that's the way the advertising. But again, it's the Sixers, and that's how they do things. They always have. It's, there's always something with them. So I wasn't surprised it wasn't their AI ones. But as a jersey itself, I feel the same way as Mike. I think they're fine. I like them more than a lot of people do. Um, I think. I like that they tried something. It's way better than the gray ones. Not as good as those tan parchment colored ones that they've had in years past. So overall, I think they're fine. Am I going to buy one? No. Do I think they're cool? And I like the idea. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I felt like I, I think when it came out within 10 minutes of the tweet going out, I saw it and Mike FaceTimed me like literally two seconds later and I picked up the phone and I'm like, dude, those things are garbage. Like that was the first thing out of my mouth. Um, I've come around to them. I don't mind them. I think there's a lot going on in the front with the Philadelphia and the Boathouse Row. and the, That looks a little funky, but I, I kind of like it. But um, I'm excited to buy the jacket or the hoodie that comes with it. Um, there's a, it's going to be a good It's going to be a good hoodie. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, so the hoodie, I don't know if yeah. you saw, but like all the like no, famous I, I, people 
all the famous people in Philly that have gotten like a special league box, they've gotten a specialized jersey. And underneath that, there was a hoodie. It's a black hoodie with like a like zipper pocket, I think. But the middle chest area is like like a oh, silver. No, no, it's a silver Liberty Liberty Bell. And then there's like oh, a big ass NBA bad. patch on the right. I'll send it to you guys. But like on but the no right bar, house row, no, no, it, it makes zero all. sense. But like it's a sick hoodie. Um, and then the, the Sixers jacket, like the black with the 76 on the, the left breast and the, that warm-up jacket, I think it's yeah. going to be sick. Too, but, I mean, yeah, you guys are right. I mean, it wasn't – They know how to do merchandise. They yeah. know how to do merchandise. You know what I really want to see out of the Sixers is like take those designs and put them on like a bomber jacket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I also they need never, a nice bomber jacket, so I would like that. Yeah. They no, never I'm give you what market. you want. They, they have great stuff, but it's always like the issued, like the team issued yeah. stuff that doesn't get to the public. That's always the best stuff. Yeah, yeah that's that. true. Well, that's if you true. go to the outlets in uh, in Gloucester, yeah, Gloucester outlets, mm. there's a ton of team issued stuff. It's just in four XL tall, um, really? which which is like awful. I I, so I can't. So even it's, it's, it's so it's the ones that they like the that Bobby could have made fit. for the play. They yeah, made for the players that they're like, oh, okay, we need to get rid of these. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's it. Also, Rob, I don't know if you saw, I met Bobby at dinner two weeks ago. I that, did see that. That dude, is, dude, that dude is huge. That is the tallest man I've ever seen in my life. I did see that. I was like, I remember I was, I was, I was walking in my car when I saw it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> dude, he, he walked into like the patio and I was like, guys, that's, that's Bobon. And they looked and they were like, what the hell is he doing? And I was like, I don't know. Like, how do you know it's him? He has a mask on. I'm like, what do you mean? How do I know it's him? <laughs> And then, dude, my worst fear of my – not fear, but like a fear came over my body because I was like, who's the other guy I was with? Relatively tall white dude. And I was like, if that's Furkan Korkmaz, I'm going to flip. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, if this is Furkan, it'll be like – I can't say anything to the guy, but like, oh my god. I was like freaking out for a bit. But uh, but yeah, no, that was a cool little thing. But uh, All right. Furkan Korkmaz complimented my sneakers. Just put them on. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I like your shoes. Because oh. we were on the same sneakers. Were they bright yellow? No, they were just Air Forces. <laughs> but this, is, this is a couple of years ago. He's like, nice shoes. I was like, ah, you too. It was, it was <laughs> Ah, you too. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have his autograph. But, yeah. Oh. I met Ben Simmons that night. I kind of forgot that happened. It's a bit more exciting. Yeah. Nah, but sure Ben Simmons didn't compliment anything. He was yeah. just like, ah, oh, let's take a picture, fellas. It's like that's a white. That's another white dude at St. Joe's. It's, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So front office: Daryl Morey, the new scouting department; Jameer Nelson. Uh, those are the, kind of the big names there. Uh, I, I know. Last time we talked, like we we're talking about who we wanted for the coach, but I mean, how do you guys feel about Morey? How do you feel about Jameer Nelson as a scout and things like that? All right. All I can say about the front office signing, like getting Daryl Morey in. Um, you know, as president of basketball operations, getting Jameer Nelson in as, um, you know, a scout, as well as, you know, being involved with the Delaware Bluecoats. How can you not like these moves? Like, whether or not you, like, I, I think that there's some people who have been like, oh, why'd we get Daryl Morey? Like, what do he do in Houston? He just made, like, a giant spread it out offense. And it's like, okay, well, but, he made a very good was offense. Was that him? And also, like, yeah, that, exactly, exactly. It's like, he's the GM. But he, as the GM, is tasked with making the roster fit with the coach. So, like, I don't think that Daryl Morey was like, I'm going to reinvent basketball by trading all of these players. I think 
Mike D'Antoni was like, I don't need or have any use for a traditional center. Go get me more assets that fit my style. And I think he did. And I think he did the best job he could have. I think Daryl Morey's going to be very good. I, I don't think that this team is going to, you know, get rid of Joel Embiid and just have a bunch of five-out shooters. Like, I don't think that's going to be the situation. And it definitely wouldn't be Doc's preference, obviously. So, I just don't see how you can't be happy with that. I'm, I think he's going to do a very good job. And I honestly think Jameer Nelson will, over the next few years, kind of take an even larger role. Hopefully it's with our organization, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets, you know, kind of picked away Coached. by another organization. Yeah. In fact, Jameer Nelson uh, eats at my restaurant regularly. He goes by Jay guy. at the restaurant. That's hysterical. What, when he calls him for reservations? Yeah, yeah, when he calls in for a takeout and stuff, he's like, oh, yeah, it's Jay. And then he walked in, my brother's like, my brother's like, you, Jameer Nelson? He was like, yeah. He was like, that's cool. <laughs> and that was, that was the end of that. But go ahead, Rob. <laughs> uh, Josh Harris, for the first time in his life, made the right decision mm. and saved the franchise from itself by getting Darren Morey. When Doc got hired, I, I didn't really care. I was like, cool, this – he wasn't Doc wasn't my first choice. My first choice was um, Yes, we know. Ty Lu, as <laughs> oh, we all know. Oh, but I thought it was I, know. I thought it was Jeff Van Gundy. The Jeff Van Gundy well, trend. No, well, that was well, <laughs> I, I, I need a quick thing on Jeff Van Gundy. That was hundred percent a joke that I spoke into existence. I was like, Well, we have a nineties roster. We could have used a nineties coach. Maybe that'll work. But And then he forgot the he forgot that Jeff Van Gundy coached in the early two thousands with the Houston Rockets. <laughs> 2007, he was coaching. <laughs> but I forgot, forgot. I used to know. I didn't watch the Sixers until 2012. Anyway, so the anyway, basically, I wanted Ty Lue, realistically, but nobody mentioned Jeff Van Gundy until I said him, and all of a sudden, mobile front offices all they all want him. It's Houston. It's OKC. It's the Clippers. Everybody's interviewing Jeff Van Gundy. Nobody was doing that until Rob said it, but. Anyway, that's... You almost got Jeff Van Gundy a job. I, I would have taken full credit, just like if Kyler Murray wins MVP, I'm taking credit for that too, because <laughs> I was really big on that back in August. And I have I have the tweet the tweets and the arguments te- through text to prove it. Anyway, but I went Ty Lue. I'm like, all right, cool, they got Doc, whatever. Doesn't change anything. The roster's still terrible. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Van Gundy... Oh, Jesus, not Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> Daryl Morey was the only thing that could save the organization from its eventual collapse. And I can't believe they did it. I honestly can't believe they did it. That's all I have to say. I can't believe they did it because that saved the franchise. John. It's, um, there he goes. Hello. You guys hear me? Yeah. Now we can. All right. Sorry about that. Um, I don't know what was going on. So, I mean, what Mike and I were saying was Mike was like, you know, I don't want to get too excited. But I was like, for the first time, I think, in my lifetime of, like, following the Sixers, like, there's a competent person making decisions in the front office. And I think it's a good divide of, like, analytics and a basketball guy. I think Daryl Morey has a name and has, like, a – he can throw some weight around, you know. Um, on top of that, I think he evaluates talent pretty well. Um, I mean, he found, and when I say found, he, he got Clint Capella in a draft. He drafted Chandler Parsons in the second round when, you know, everyone knew him at Florida, but like that 
you know, he gave that guy a shot and it worked out for a little bit. And Chandler Parsons is on first team all finesse um, of, of money. Um, and, and you know, I uh, remember Joel Embiid confirmed that Chandler Parsons has had sex. Correct. Um, that was fun. That was a good time. Um, but like, well, also, also just to put in there, um, Daryl also took Covington. Yeah, he did. He, he unsigned, I'm signed free agent before the Sixers could. Other yeah. thing, though, that I wanted to, to make comment of, and I don't know about if you guys know this, um, was Maury after Hinky, or was Hinky an assistant to Maury in Houston? Hinky was an assistant. Hinky was an assistant. Maury. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you guys, he's Hinky tribe, or yeah. Sam so, Hinky is his tribe. Yeah, so if you guys have a chance, there is a – and this isn't like a free plug for a podcast, but there's a ESPN Daily, I think, or Pablo Torres, yeah. I think yeah. is the other Daily, right? Yeah. yeah. So he 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 had a podcast with Sam Hinkie, which was like really good. Two I hours. Just, two hours of just Sam Hinkie talking and like figuring him and out, not and answering like, a single question. Correct, but like <laughs> still cool to hear. And I was like, oh, was this great. is good. I was like, him. He he still has love for Philly, and you know, he didn't he didn't answer any of those you know hard questions of like, oh, do you have any disdain for the you know you got forced out? And he was like, I didn't get forced out, and he was like. All right, dude, but whatever. Um, yeah. no, it was it was the a Colangelo, really good podcast. The Colangelo the, question. The best was the Colangelo question. Yes, he, he said. Uh, pa- Pablo says he was doing like he asked Sam. He said, "What do, what do you think? What's the first thing that pops in your head when you hear this quote?" And one of them was Adam Silver saved the Sixers from Sam Hinkie. And he's like, "That was from one of uh, Brian Colangelo's burnt alleged burners." How do you feel about that? And there's like three seconds of silence, and Sam's like, "Cool." That was it. <laughs> He's like, cool. That's all. It was so funny. Dude, Sam was like, I think it was a good insight to his mind. But yeah, I mean, he he's a descendant of of Daryl Morey, and I think that his excitement for Morey, I think it shows that like there's a little bit of hope. Um, but I mean, obviously, that all get tested Wednesday night, going into Thursday, and then leading into the rest of the month to see what he does with this roster because. Um, that's interesting, but I guess with that, uh, you mentioned Doc. So obviously, Doc Rivers, you know, good resume coaching. I think he's the right man for the job to try to rebuild this team or, or fix is his resume. Team. Good? Uh, no, it's not. He's shown that he's been able to coach stars. I think four Hall of Famers to one championship. Yeah, I mean, I but I think he was the best. He's the How best we can many- do. Coaches were available with more championships. I know one with just as many who beat a Tyler team. Tyler, stop! stop. At that point, you got to tell me that LeBron's coming too. That's the only way Tyler's going to be a good coach. Pu, Tyler coached fifteen games without LeBron, (laughs) and was now he's going to hit. And and, and immediately, do you want my take? No, he left. Do you want my? Do you want my take on Tyler? Yes, go ahead. The, he would have also been the subject of bullying in Philadelphia for as long as he good, was here. Good. And he got stepped over by Allen Iverson. He can redeem himself. But let me just say this. This is how I feel about Ty Lue. Ty Lue will win a championship with the Clippers before the Sixers make a conference finals. I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that they have two guys who have finished in the top three of MVP voting, respectively. I don't know that that necessarily is Ty Lue. Uh, we... We that well, that team they couldn't do it with Doc Rivers, so 
okay, but that's one that, year. Docker in, in a season year. in a COVID version. I, season. I the only think, re- I think the Clippers win the championship this year. Okay, this year. Th- that's what I was just about to say. That the only way for your argument to hold any value is if Ty Lue leads them to the championship. This Which is what I think is going to happen, and I don't think the Sixers are going to make it to, uh, out of the second round again. That's, that's my take. Okay, well, I mean, I think they will moves. win a championship be before we make it sure. to the third round. Mm. Before we make it to the conference championship, that. that's what you're saying. Oh, yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah, I thought you said there's moves to be made this year, which I no, say we I have don't know to make moves. That. Yeah, we have yes. to make moves clearly. Um, and but, okay, I mean, haven't opened up for us to do that yet, so that's, that's a really that's a hot take. But what about the rest of them? And Burke, Popeye Jones, Brian Adams, all those guys. How is that? How do those guys? Oh. Um, Dave Yerger, yeah, Sam Cassell, all those guys. Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to make sure, you know, Mr. Hot Takes over there was oh, on yeah. the same page. <laughs> um, but yeah, assistant coaches. Like, how's yeah, that? I think, we, you guys have, I think we have three, maybe four, I'll say three, assistant coaches who are on the head coach, like next round of head coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good place to be in. Like, I think Sam Cassell and Dan Burke and Dave Yerger are all head like one like one of them's been a head coach and I think he actually had some decent success. I really like Dave Yerger as a coach. I, I don't necessarily think that he got a, a fair chance in a lot of those situations, but I thought he did a pretty good job. So having like three assistant coaches who are like that level is is never a problem. Like, you know, I, I know some people might be kind of worried, like, oh well, you know, if they're that level of coach, like, how long are they really going to stick around? But I think that's a good problem to have. You know, like, I don't necessarily think that just because maybe they're only here for a year or two years and then they go get a head coaching job, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's actually a really good thing, that those level of coaches are willing to sign on as assistants, you know, for this team. I agree. I think that is the advantage of Doc Rivers because I don't think – a lot of head coaches are knocking on the doors waiting to sign up for Ty Lue's assistant coaching staff like they are for Doc right. Rivers. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. And also, I just think the one thing that Jurger and, and Dan Burke bring to the table, which I'm really excited to see, and, and I guess Doc Rivers too, I think – Defense. Yeah, I think that – Defense. Everyone in Philadelphia is going to be so surprised what happens when the big man steps up on a pick and roll. It's going to be like the most insane Never thing when we watch in our entire life. Yeah. Oh my god. And and Mike, like you guys, everyone, anyone listens to this, go back and check the receipts. Like from day one of this podcast, I said, "Yo, we need to start stepping up on screens. Like we need to start hedging screens." Mike was like, "Yeah, we need to start hedging or trapping or like at least stopping the ball handler." And it's like I rewatched the Kemba Walker putting sixty three on Jimmy Butler's head, and I was watching, and I was just like, "Dude, not a single time did anyone step up on Kemba Walker in the mid range." I was like, dude, that's the easiest shot. Like anybody can make that shot. So I'm excited about the defense, and I think that that'll lead lead to kind of good, easy buckets in the open court. And I think maybe Doc Rivers will, will unlock whatever Tobias Harris was for like the 40 games he was with him um, in the last season, not the COVID season. The, the the he was on the Clippers. So I mean, obviously, hopefully, hopefully we do well, and hopefully we were able to to get something out of this, but. Uh, I'm a little more excited than I was, but I'm not fully back, if that makes any sense. 
I'm all the way back because of Doc Rivers. Or not because of Doc Rivers, because of Daryl Morey. Because of Daryl Morey. Is uh, that your boy? Doesn't he follow you? No matter who they hire. No, no. He <laughs> follows Sixers Adam. No matter who the Sixers signed as head coach, I wouldn't have cared. Unless if it was Mike D'Antoni, I would have been very upset. But other yeah. than that, I wouldn't have really cared. And yeah, Jeff really Van Gundy. Like not a D'Antoni fan. I, yeah, D'Antoni's an assistant for Steve Nash. A lot of people told me. A lot yeah. of people. I heard a lot of people say that. Oh, D'Antoni's a good coach. He'll figure out the system. And then I heard. I saw the report like a month later that said we couldn't get. De, uh, we didn't sign D'Antoni because he was going to trade the whole roster to fit his own system. And I'm like, there's no need for that. Yeah. So I was very happy about that. That no, that absolutely. Like, so I the mean, thing is, is like with the roster. Even if, like, so D'Antoni was a big proponent of the seven-second offense, if you guys remember mm-hmm. the seven-second yeah. offense, and the moderate levels of success he had with the Phoenix Suns in the early 2000s. And then he, like, reinvented it with this sort of, like, five, like, more, like, the, the most five-out offense you've probably seen ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, this dude is widely regarded as this phenomenal offensive mind and it's because he does all this experimental stuff and it's cool but like it actually really hasn't translated to all that much success like he's had multiple mvps like what he has what he does is he provides these really interesting opportunities for individual players to find the highest possible level of success but it doesn't really translate to very much team success um and so, I mean, that, that I, I was really happy we didn't get him. I just don't don't think he made much sense for us. Yeah, and I yeah, think I, him I, going I, to the Knicks is big too. Sorry, no, you good. I was just gonna say him him with Steve Nash as head coach and Amari Stoudemire for some reason as an assistant coach with KD, Kyrie, Karis LeVert, um, who else? Dinwiddie, freaking Torian Prince, and Jared Allen. Yeah, regardless, at that roster for if you're yeah. gonna run a, a kind of seven second offense, like it's good. Can you imagine KD just firing shots up? Like, I forgot how good KD was, and I was rewatching highlights, and I was like, oh god, I was like, I forgot how good this guy was at, on the offensive event, and I'm yeah, scared of kind of like possibly the most lethal scorer in ever has to be like has to be history. ever. He's unbelievable from any spot on the court. It's wild. And he's so tall. That's why really he can do so anything in the paint tall. too. Yeah, the, so the Nets, wild. I'm not too worried of Katie's health because I don't know exactly where he is. But no matter what, where no matter where he is health wise, he's still going to be very productive mm-hmm. just because of his shot. So and productive. I like maybe he's not as productive as you know, like being able to dribble and move and get around stuff but you can still shoot like your shot doesn't your your shot doesn't rely on your achilles so dude if he's if he's 80 percent, he's a top 10, 10 player in the league yeah 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 so i mean it's i, I i'm just worried about kd but i i'm curious to watch simmons match up with kd because i think defensively that'll be an interesting you know i, I feel like simmons will put up a really good effort and and fight on that, but obviously that we'll, we got to. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's transition to the draft. So, Mike, how do you want to do? Do you want to do kind about, of? A quick... Oh wait, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah go ahead. Can I, can I say one more thing about uh, 
that the Knicks for next year. I think the Knicks are going to be kind of like the Raptors of two years ago. I think they're just kind of going to hang around there, you know, be the three-ish seed, He's get into the, the playoffs. The Nets or the Knicks? No, the Nets. Okay. Uh, I heard the Knicks, and I was like, what? So did I. So did I. And then all of a sudden, they're going to be in the conference finals. And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess the Nets are good, and I think they're going to be one of the top teams in the East. I just think it's going to be like they're, they're not going to start out too hot. They're going to fly under the radar, as weird as that sounds, for that roster. But I think they're just going to start out really slow because KD's going to try and get his feet under them. And then after that, they're just going to take off in like December or January. And it's just going to be the conference finals. Everyone's like, oh, the Mets are up 3-1, about to be in the finals. I guess yeah, I mean, I think, and you got to think about the fact that, like, they're not going to be the number one seed because the Bucks try harder than any regular season team I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> you know, they won't have postseason success. Um, so, I mean, they're going to get the number one seed again. So, like you said, Rob, like, Nets hanging around at three. Like, I, I, I think that the top, like, the real, real top players in in the NFL or in the NBA, sorry, like really understand that the regular season is like, you want to be put yourself in a good spot, but if you're not the number one seed, like if you're top, if I give her three, yeah, who cares? Like who really cares? Like you're, if you really think that you're that level of team, like you get to the playoffs and you're going to beat the people you have to beat. Like you'd have to play them, whether you're the one or the two or the three, like who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I agree. I I honestly can see that happening too. And seventy two games, I think it'll be, um, it'll be interesting. And I don't know. I heard about this play in tournament thing, which will be interesting. So if more stuff comes out, obviously we'll talk about it in the future. Um, but also, I'm really excited that free agency and the draft are happening, essentially back to back. Because, dude, yesterday on Twitter, NBA Twitter went off because the 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 Houston Raptor, or, sorry, the Houston Rockets single handedly just like blew themselves up in, in a matter of like 10 hours. Dude, it, was it was like crazy. hard. It was like, oh, oh Westbrook. I have no idea, but I just think it's so funny because it's like, well, dude, I think the Westbrook stuff is definitely real. Yeah. And a lot of the other stuff had like been reported earlier in, in the off season, but people just like weren't really paying attention to it. Like for instance, PJ Tucker being pissed about his contract happened like two yeah. months ago. Oh Yeah. Because he's like, oh, I'm. He's like, I'm underappreciated. It's like, bro, you're you're like kind of a center, and then you're also kind of like, that's it. Like you, you have a, you can't really play like the three anymore. But dude, the yeah, fact and then like that the, all of their like mid level players are dissatisfied with their role. It's like, what do you think you are exactly? Like, <laughs> oh, they don't they don't like to be dribble iso. Like they don't want to be like the guy standing on the outside dribble iso. Um, it might yo, who knows? It might be it might be Cubs team. Cub hasn't come out and said anything, and it might be his team. Is Rob coming to think, I do think yes, but I do <laughs> think that that even since, like I said, I'm not on Twitter as much. But uh, so I I saw the Houston stuff, but I didn't really know how much was to it. I saw the big the Russ report saying he wants out, and I saw Harden being quote locked in, which is a complete lie. He wants out too. And I of think course he does. That, you can't say that though. I think there's a very real chance Daryl Morey is trying to trade for Harden. Okay, what 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 is that trade look like though? Like Mike and I have been trying, been we've since, been racking our planes. It's been, it's Dude, been I'm not giving up Ben Simmons for Harden. I'm not. I'm not giving up Ben Simmons for that. That's so. Uh, that's such a bad trade, I, bro. It's I narrowing am, your am, championship window by like. 
10. It, it literally Ryan. takes and puts us in, in a box of Stacks like a three-year period. Because Harden's Stacks. like 32 years old. Yeah, and he's never had Joel Embiid. <laughs> Harden, Embiid, Covington. It's Simmons and Dude. Richardson for Covington. I I recall I recall the same I recall the same Rob Young coming on this podcast and saying, "Listen, listen, the time for for reminiscing of players like Covington." (laughs) Daryl Morey was not GM. I don't care. The GM's not going to make that guy make a layup. Daryl Morey was never coming to the Sixers two months ago, (laughs) and plus, that's in the lost files that never got released. So I did have a long monologue saying how the Sixers and Sixers fans. You need to forget about the past, but Daryl Morey's different. This is Sam Hinkie 2.0, but with winning in mind. <laughs> this is what happens is what Sam oh, Hinkie would have done. God. Like in the, the Our Father, like Thy Will Be Done, that is Daryl Morey, okay? Dude, this is that the is exact excitement that I'm not allowing myself to have. Like the entire offseason, like we got Doc Rivers, and I was just like, I wanted him. Good. Like, we got Daryl Morey, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, how can I not be excited about this? But, like, I'm going to just – I'm just going to relax. Like, it's going to be fine. And then we're hiring, like, all these, like, head coach-level assistants. And I'm like, oh, come, like, come on now. Like, great moves, guys. But I'm like, I, I can't get excited. The second, the second shoe hasn't dropped yet. Like, until this roster gets changed. Like, Which is that, happening like, that, this year. It's the bigger thing. But like here, like so. Here's where I'm at. Trading for Harden narrows your championship window to at the very most within the next five years. But it expands that window. So okay, much. let's just so say much. whatever. But so like that. I mean, that's up for debate. Fit. But that's probably true. But so let me just put it this way, though. Then right. You, it's very hard to say that you shouldn't trade for a star player the level. Of James Harden, but it doesn't necessarily like he hasn't proven that he results in like real winning, like like championship level winning. Like, would it make the Sixers super entertaining? Like, yeah, it would. I like I would have a lot of fun watching the Sixers, but I don't necessarily know that it really makes us a championship contender. I feel like we have like so many flaws around us still. Like, let's say James Harden. Like, for, let's just say he's the point guard, because we don't really have a point guard right now. Let's say we trade for him, and he takes over Ben's spot as the point guard, and we eventually probably sign someone at that point. We Whoever plays the two plays the two. But, you know, then you have Tobias Harris at the three. I guess maybe you're playing Al Horford at the four. Like, are we going to start him again? Like, I don't know. And then Joel Embiid. And it's like... That doesn't sound like a championship roster to me. Like I just, Mike, I don't you just know. described the worst team in the freaking East. The yeah. fact that you like, I like, we all said Tobias Harris is better at the four because he can guard the four better. Than he can guard a three because he is he is cement for feet. He literally has center blocks for feet. He cannot slide and guard anybody. And the fact that and the fact that Al Horford's still on the team at that point already significantly decreases our chances to do anything. So I'm going to put that to bed right there, Rob. Unless if you can get me, me if you can get me James Harden while also offloading either one of those two or both of those two, then I'm all ears. But if you're going to say, "Oh, we're going to get rid of Ben Simmons," I'm not even um, listening to it. And I can I can easily kick you out of this recording. <laughs> 
So this, it's not, they're not trading anybody this year. I don't know how much, how deep you want to get in a free agency, but the smart thing to do is to sit still for a year. I know it's going to bother everyone. It's going to piss everyone off. The smart thing to do is to sit still. After this year, and prepare Tobias Harris is three years. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Let me think for a second. <laughs> a year from now, or 10 months from now, when this NBA season's over and it's the off season. Oh, you idiot. Al, Al Horford only has a year and a half guaranteed. His contract in one year is suddenly very tradable. Mm. Tobias Harris was at his best under Doc Rivers. I'm kind of interested to see what a year under Doc Rivers looks like. Yeah, I think so. He'll be yeah. He'll be I, Al Horford becomes 10 times easier to trade next year where you don't have to attach your next five first-round picks and swaps in between intermittently just to get off of them, to get like yeah. a Mike Conley. But I I think the smart thing to do is sit, unless if you're trading for a Mike Conley, that's, you know, an expiring. Yeah. I think trading well, I mean, for Mike Conley would be very smart, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's – it's gonna happen in a week, so I mean, it is what it is. But all right, let's go. Let's go draft. Let's do. Uh, um, Mike, how do you want to do it? You want to do? You want to run through kind of a quick first round? What we think? We'll go pick by pick, and we'll just kind of see. I, I know Rob's not not as versed in the the oh, the deepness of the that. pool, but I wouldn't say he's, that. he's got the top guys right. All right, so uh, all right, number one overall, Minnesota. I guess Mike go first and then Rob. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be – if they keep the pick, I think it's going to be LaMelo Ball. Um, does he absolutely fit their roster, like, super seamlessly? No, he doesn't. Um, but he probably offers the most upside out of these prospects. Um, you could argue that the other guys are pretty close, but it's just that he's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the natural playmaking ability. Um and he can play one through three realistically. Like he's a fairly legitimate six foot eight. Uh, so if you want to say like, oh well, they have D'Angelo Russell and he's the point guard. I think either Russell or Ball could play the two, and I think Ball could even play the three if he bulks up a little bit. I think per Zach Lowe, uh, Lamelo Ball is a lot for number one. I think if they the, keep it or that, in I general. Think, I I think that pick is very. It's open to trade. I think that is yeah. very openly on the market. I saw a lot of different trades, but I this just popped in my head just now. Today, I watched the Suns, their jersey release video. Devin Booker mm-hmm. isn't in it. They show his jersey <laughs> once. I know that Cat and D'Lo really like Booker. I would not be surprised they traded the first pick for Booker. That's just so the first right pick now, and what? Because you're not getting Booker for salary. just the first pick. He's better. That too. That too. Uh, all right. Who's on? Who's on the Timberwolves? I don't know. Let's start. Jared um, Culver. Amari Spellman. You want to trade Amari Spellman for for Devin Booker? Know, the first pick? I, they I have to throw just in popped Culver. Into my head that Devin Booker for the first pick. I see that happening. Yeah, no, I agree. Have to throw in Culver. Like, no doubt about it, they'd have to toss Culver. But Booker wants out. No, yeah, no, I, Rob, I, Rob, I, I thought the same thing today. Rob, I, when one, I saw that, I only saw it in and I saw it in He is one meeting away from going in demanding being out 
from being available to trade for the first pick. He, he yeah. just has to make if it, if I, it I gets out publicly, like very publicly, like James Harden publicly, that Booker wants out. That trade can be a one for one. Yeah, we'll I, mean, look, I don't want to be like an ass about this, but can can we just be honest and say that Minnesota trading for Devin Booker would literally create the most like like the players on that team would all 100% care about offense and literally be walking back on defense. It would be such a Minnesota move to, like, technically trade for yet again a third star and still suck. They're terrible. Seven seed at best. They're probably going to go, you know, 45 or no, probably 40 and 35 or 32, whatever the math is. Yeah. But forty and thirty-two, they'll get the seven or eight seed, and they'll be as long as they're happy in yeah negative so, ten degree Minnesota. So I mean, I don't necessarily think it's fair to say that D'Angelo Russell doesn't contribute to winning because I think he definitely did. Like that Nets team that he got into the playoffs is pretty incredible. Carl Anthony Towns is a black there. hole. If, if, if that's the next sentence out Dude, of your mouth, it's true. That's He's exactly. a black hole. Carl Anthony Towns hole. is literally the most stat like reliant player in the league like that dude puts up objectively gaudy numbers but makes no positive contribution to winning and he literally catches the ball and it's going up doesn't matter if he's well beyond the three-point line or if he's like in the mid post like can he shoot can he score yeah he obviously can but like he needs to be smarter about it because so the this team is a problem. Finds no success at in all. His, in his, I think, second or third year when it was our sophomore year, so three years ago. When they got Butler, it was the year before. Uh, yes, the Butler year. He never got the ball, so I guess he basically just trained himself to heave and become a chuck. Because Wiggins was also a jack. And I think Wiggins is his like I think him being around Steph and like that culture is going to temper his like no, that settled him down. He's still overpaid, but like it's it's gonna he's gonna play within himself now, right? Like he's got vets yeah. that are like, "Yo, shut the hell up!" And it's our team. Like, like you Towns need went from Towns went from fourteen shots a game to eighteen. They got Butler. He went back down to fourteen, and then seventeen, and then eighteen again. The last two years, I think he's just since that Butler year. He's kind of been in the mindset of once I get the ball, I'm putting it up. How many because free I'm not throw gonna, attempts? Uh, five this year, progressively going up every year incrementally. Yeah. 2.7, 4.3, 4.2, 4.9, 5.1 this past year. See, like, for as Around good as low he 80, is 80 as a scorer, for as good as he is as a scorer, like and the point. amount that he touches the ball, the fact that he gets – Five free throws a game, like he should excuse get me, way more than that. Six and a half, six and a half. Oh, so yes, for a okay, center, that's pretty good. I looked at that's free throws good. made. I was looking at free throws made. But still, if you're a center, you want to get to the yeah. line more than six times a game. This is the first like, year. Think six. about how good Joel Embiid is. At yeah, that. he's unbelievable. But the Sixers and, this year in free throw attempts were, I think, fourth, and with without Joel Embiid, they were last. So I seriously think like Joel Embiid gets so many free throw attempts, but I seriously think. That Carl Anthony Towns' objective offensive skill is possibly more than Joel Embiid, and I don't think that's a slight in any way. Like I think Embiid is a much more um, p- 
positive contributor, and I think he's a better player overall. But, like, Carl Anthony Towns is so skilled on the offensive end of the ball. It's just kind of ridiculous that he doesn't get to the line more, that he doesn't, like, contribute to winning. Like, and I, I seriously think that that's, like, I, like, so there are actually some reports that Minnesota may even be interested in drafting James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah, saw, saw those. That. Like it doesn't really make a lot of Trade sense. Back. Like off the like you like you don't look at it, and it's like it only makes sense if someone specifically wants James Wiseman at one, and they think they can like draft James Wiseman and then steal a second first rounder out of him, or if they're like, man, Carl Anthony Towns hasn't done a goddamn thing. Like let's move on. Yeah, I mean, I think Minnesota is obviously in like this weird position where. Um, they can trade it. They can pick it. I really don't think it matters whether they take this pick or they trade it for a Devin Booker, whoever the hell they're going to trade it for, because this team is going to be consistently at the bottom of the West or fighting for that eighth seed consistently. And they're never going to, they're not going to win. I think the team's just built really poorly. Nothing against Flip Saunders' son. Is it Flip Saunders' son? Yeah. Like nothing against the coaching staff there, but it's just like that, that team is just so like weirdly built. I don't know, but um, okay, second pick is the Warriors pick. I also had um, Lamella one. Um, second pick is Warriors pick. I said if they keep the pick, in all honesty, they should take James Wiseman because they need a big. Um, but it's going to be Anthony Edwards. He might be my favorite player in the draft. He's a true, like a true two guard, and I think what he gives the Warriors is something they haven't seen since like the We Believe times, where they have a guard that's like. I'm going to attack the rim and I'm going to dunk on you. Um, Monte Ellis, Baron Davis style, because they've had Clay and Steph for the last decade. And it's just, at this point, he might be their future going forward. So I think it's Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. John, what's the best position in basketball? You love the two guard. I get it, but I think it's the three. The two guard. It's the two guard. And Anthony Edwards is going number two. He's the best player in this draft, in my opinion. I think, like... Very few players, and I seriously, like, if you look at this, the guys who come into the league who are not only NBA size and height, but, like, actually strong and built up already, like, those dudes find a lot of success. Like, Donovan Mitchell, for instance, is only 6'3", but he was, like, 210 pounds as a rookie, or 215. Like, immediate success. Like, Victor Oladipo was, like, 6'4", 210. Immediate yeah. success. Anthony Edwards is even a little bit bigger than those guys. I'm pretty sure he's up to like 220, like 6'4", 6'5". He's 6'5", six, 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 225. Yeah. yeah, see, that's a like that's a big dude, and he's 19 that's years a man. old. Like, I, have, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Do you, I understand that you've seen this best player, but do you th- – do you see there being a potential issue with the Warriors' offense? Him shooting below thirty or shooting below thirty percent. Here's 30%. why I don't think I that's think a problem. He, yeah, you, yeah, you take it. So I think you, again, yeah. I don't watch a lot of Georgia, but I'm just looking at now. Or I don't watch a lot of college in general yeah. until the tournament. But I'm just looking at seventy-two for two forty-five at twenty-nine percent. Yeah, I feel like so. That, so that good. that Georgia team quite literally had nobody. It was Anthony Edwards, and cool. if you if you need any type of is Anthony Edwards worth it? Or if, if it's Anthony Edwards, is like, is this a guy? Go watch him at the Maui Invitational against Michigan State. Michigan it State. was him versus – it was him versus Cassius Winston, Peanut Tillman. Yeah, and like he, he took on the entire Michigan State team. And his efficiency thing, I think that's like a that's – a, that's a young thing, right? Like you're a star. You come into college. 
there's not really like you don't. I mean, you're clearly the best player on the court. He had 33 in the second half. He goes to yeah. the Warriors. Yeah, it's it was disgusting. He, it, I went all. I was like going wild at like one o'clock in the morning because because it, it was in Maui. But like he, him being at the Warriors, I think what that does is again, it's doing what what it's doing to Wiggins. He will play within his own and he will learn because I think. A guy like him who – like if you listen to his interviews, I think he's willing to learn. And I think Stephen Clay, like that's going to only benefit him to, to be behind two guys that have seen success and have known success pretty much their entire careers. So that's my take on that. I also think that he's not going to be so, – so if you really look at the, the, their roster, like because they still have Andrew Wiggins yeah. right now. Like they haven't traded Andrew Wiggins. There's a lot of expectation that they're going to try to trade Andrew Wiggins. But as of this moment, they have not. And therefore, Anthony Edwards is going to be coming off the bench. Like, he's going to be a scoring sixth man. Which which is like a really good role for him to have, too, as a rookie. Like, he doesn't come in with, like, the stress of being, um, you know, a, a, a starter. He also doesn't come in with having to necessarily fit directly with within the starters. He gets to come off the bench and you know, make sure that he gets points with the second unit. I think that's actually a really ideal yeah. role for him. And it's, like you said, John, something the Warriors haven't had. And, Rob, just to kind of quickly speak on that, too, like in terms of his inefficiency at Georgia, it's shot selection, too, more than anything. Like, late shot clock, number one, he was the one getting the ball. Every late shot yeah. clock, they were like, okay, let's throw it out to Anthony Edwards, see if he can get a shot off, right? So that, that leads to inefficiency. And also, it's just, John, like you said, he's a young guy. Um, he had he came with a lot of expectations. Um, and he came in with a team that, to be honest, you know, n- not sure there's another NBA-level talent on that entire roster. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, no, seriously, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe they develop over the years. But as of right now, none of those guys really look like NBA players. So... I think that the Warriors and Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, all of them, are like the perfect people to sort of mentor him, like in terms of getting smarter about your shot selection, not having to come in and be like the guy. Like some of these teams are so crappy that he would have to come in and take the same types mm-hmm. of bad shots on their team that he did at Georgia. He won't have to do that on the Warriors. I think getting downgraded in terms of amount of shots that he can take in a game to start his career will ultimately help him in the long run because then when it is time for him to start making or taking more shots you know he he knows when it is smart to take the shot yeah you you so you're that swung me because i again like i said i didn't i don't watch much college but I was doing my research while you guys were talking, and the summer before his senior year, mm-hmm. he was for, he was forty five percent from three. Yeah. yeah, he he so he also reclassified. Like he he went up. Like you, he's he was a guy that like a lot of guys reclassed down. He went. Yeah, he was supposed he, to only be a he freshman. He went this up, year. and he was the number one player in that class. Like he, like you don't just do that unless you're filthy. So I mean, he I think he's the truth, and I think at two if they keep it. That's probably who they're going to take. But at three with the Hornets, I have James Wiseman because he is a specimen in itself. I know he didn't play much at Memphis, but at seven one with like 
seven yeah, seven like at. seven seven wingspan or something seven, like seven six, six wingspan seven one seven six wingspan yeah like he he's only gonna put on more weight when basketball becomes the only thing he actually does and like he's already got really agile footwork he can block shots he runs the floor he finishes at the rim again the weight thing's gonna be an issue but i think he's been putting on weight because he's been training for quite literally a year for the nba draft um because he stopped playing at memphis around this time and uh the hornets need that and i think that if you're thinking about okay what do we do for the future i have Devonte graham he's good terry rosier's locked into a contract miles bridges there's a lot of young guys on that team finish it off with a with a franchise building center that'll be able to get you to run because i think that team's built to run they're built to just get out there and try to push the pace and i think that's what wiseman does he gives them that backstop um behind the rim so yeah, so I think that these first few picks are going to be a little boring. I also think James Wiseman's going to go here. John, like you said, no disagreements there. Hornets haven't had a big man, legitimate center in a long time. They need one. Wiseman's the best in this class. So it's as simple as that. Yeah. If Wiseman, I watched the, uh, the ESPN Plus show Hard Way, the one about Hard Way, but just being the coach at Memphis, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But, again, he left so early that he's nobody really has – not the read on him because he's projected top three, but being a center is just weird in the NBA. I, yeah. I don't know. He, he, move, I, he I, moves I well. Hate the Hornets. He moves really well. I just hate the Hornets. I know he's great. I know he's great. I've seen his highlights, but I, I, the Hornets and the Magic, they're just those franchises that if you get drafted there, you're lucky Career to come out alive. The only person that's come out successfully, I think, is Oldenville and yeah. Kemba. And Kemba, like – well, Kemba was scoring like 30 points a game. Yeah. Th- th- this is, so it's same with yeah. the Wizards. Th- like this the Wizards, is a guy okay. that, like, if Kemba was there, he would be, like, drooling over. Like, this would give Kemba, yeah. like, a complete – like, Kemba might average 40 if he had James Wiseman. But, I mean, I digress. I mean, other than that, um, yeah. So, four is Chicago. And, Mike, I-, I agree with Mike, so I'll just let Mike go here. Yeah, so four – uh, I'm taking Denny Avdia here. He, he So he's out. If you don't know who Denny Avdia is, he was not a college basketball player. He's from Israel, um, and he played for Maccabi Tel Aviv. So he is a very, very good international prospect. He's the clear-cut top international prospect in this class. A lot Do of that play has, style. What's his play, play style? Yeah, I, I know. I so he's heard all him. I know around. he's a guy from Israel. I know he's, he's, like a, he's like a knockoff. So he's all around. He's like, he's like a discount version of Luca, and that's being very generous. That's like not a slight. That's so, Sorry, Charlotte. Let, 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 me, no, let me throw out the name that I think he reminds uh, me yeah. most of is Nicholas Batum. He, like, remember how Nicholas Batum for the Portland Trailblazers is putting up like 15 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists? He's one of those dudes. He's just going to be very good. He's like a glue guy. He can actually bring the ball up the court and like pass a little bit. He averaged just under like 3 assists, but in certain games you saw him get like 6 or 7. And he was you know, bringing the ball up the court, running in transition. He, he's actually bigger than Batum. Like already, he's six nine, and I think he's he's close to two thirty. He's like two twenty, two twenty five. So he's he comes in with very NBA ready size, and he can play shooting guard, small forward, power forward. And I think that like the Bulls right now, there's a little bit of roster confusion here 
with the fact that Laurie Marketing clearly wants out. Like Zach Levine has voiced some frustration as well. Wendell Carter gets hurt all the time. But those guys are all good enough at their own individual positions that I don't necessarily think that the Bulls have to address those positions. And even uh, Kobe White showed some real promise this year as a rookie. So I think small forward's the last position they need to address, and Avdia is the best small forward in this draft. Yeah. Yeah, sure. he, he's a – it'll be interesting, and I think – yeah, I, I don't really like picking – like, I think the foreign players are – But he's not as good as Luca. Like, yeah. let's just get that yeah. out of the way. Like, he's so, never going um, to be So, I'm just going to use Luka. my two favorite – my two favorite foreigns. He's a mixture of – not a mixture of, but he's the the perfect in-between of Dario and Luca. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I'll, I guess I'll, <laughs> because Dar, Dario – remember Dario, when he came out, he was that guy that was like – can dribble, he can pass, he can run the floor, he can shoot a little bit. He's that fast, was fast Dario. Dario. Well, that's why and he's, he's better that's why he's in defense between. than Luca. That's why he's, he's in between. That's why he's in between. Alright. Alright, we'll take that. Right. We'll take that to the back, Rob. Um, yeah. that's, a, that's a fair enough assessment. Um, Alright, so five is where it gets spicy, where Mike and I disagree. This is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ain't no stopping. I will take... Obi Toppin. No, no I do not have Obi Toppin here. Um, you, you guys can go go into Obi Toppin first, and then I'll, I'll give you my hot take. <laughs> Rob, A-10, if you have some Obi Toppin me, stuff, take it. John, you're I. <laughs> I all I know is ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. The three of us can really come together on this A10 top five pick. Was there has there ever been an A10 player go that high? Probably, I don't not. think Definitely. so. Well, Jameer actually, Nelson, yes, Jameer back Nelson in the day. The I want to say Nelson back in the day, the they pro- there probably was some. Tom Gola. Well, Jameer, Tom Nelson, Gola. Jameer Nelson was the national player of the year and went like 22nd. So to be fair, he's, yeah, he's he was small, though. But I was seeing it. But still. Senior. Yeah. All right. So, Obi Toppin, yeah, Rob, so, yes. A10 okay. love. Dude, you sick. don't see a lot he's of A10 sick. guys. He's so good. So, not to like so, – so, if you guys – are listening to this and you haven't watched a lot of college basketball, watch Obi Toppin, really fun highlights. Like the best highlight dunks you've seen in college basketball in, I mean, since Zion, I guess, but like even some of them are like, he's a different player than Zion. So like the way he like does these dunks are just kind of crazy to watch. He kind of reminds me of like Josh Smith. If Josh Smith like could shoot a jumper, like Obi Toppin shot something like thirty nine percent from three this year, you know, at six eight two twenty, yeah. So he's he's got some skill, he's got some size, he's kind of like an in between of a four and a three, but he's 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 your modern big, very mobile, can shoot, can get out in transition. So I really don't think that the Cavaliers should hesitate here. They obviously want to move on from Kevin Love. They should be able to, you know, find a trade partner for him. Whether they get great value for him, probably not. But Obi Toppin can just slide right into this starting lineup, and I think that he fits alongside with the rest of these young Cavaliers. Even though there's not that much direction there, I think I think Toppin goes kind of a long way in actually sort of setting that identity. Holy shit! So I'm sorry, I'm going a wild here. Chad Holmgren, who's like the number one senior right now in the country, I'm having, I'm watching his game. He's like he's going off, dude. He's dude. so he's, good. Is that on ESPN Plus? It's on ESPN two. It's on ESPN two. Um, okay, oh. so so for me, I know, I know. I, I'll say this: I, I do like Obi Toppin. I, I think he probably will get picked here, but 
I think the Cavs should go with Onyeka Okungwu out of USC. He's probably the like unsung hero of that Chino Hills Lonzo Ball brothers team um, from a couple of years ago. He did everything for him. He was a glue guy. I think him as a center, he's like a, a better modern. He's 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 fit for the modern day game. He can kind of shoot a little. But he's working on that. He defends. He he defends at the rim. He grabs rebounds. He runs the floor. Those are the three things that I think he does really well. And I think that. Um, going forward, if you have a, you think about the, how the team's constructed, right? They currently have Kevin Love, who they're clearly, like you said, want to move on from. They have Andre Drummond, who I, I don't like Andre Drummond. He's going to accept his player option yeah. because he makes a shit ton of money. But like, I, I think like if you want to think future, I mean, unless you're clearly, if you want to get Chet Holmgren like next year, but like or in two years, but like. Um, Onyeko Kongwu, I think, is Holmgren game. Now he's the best player. I, I always thought he was good. But, yeah, basically, Onyeko and Kongwu pair him up with that Garland-Sexton combo. And I think you've got pick and roll for days, and I think that spreads the floor, and it allows you to get that kind of identity. So um, that's why I think he's there. But I, I do like Obi, too. So, uh, um, yeah. all right. And if you're, you know, talking on Onyeka, too, just before yeah. we move to this sixth pick for the Hawks, you're going to hear a lot of people compare Onyeka and Okungwu to Bam Adebayo, yeah. and that probably has to do with like recent relevancy of Bam Adebayo. Obviously, his first All-Star year, and then he helped mm-hmm. get the Miami Heat to the NBA Finals. Um, the big difference between those two is like Bam Adebayo has developed into a guy who can actually bring the ball up the floor, can initiate the offense, can make a lot of those passes, like is a very good passer for the center position. Anyeka Okungwu doesn't have that same flair to his game, but the rest of it's very similar. Really good rebounder, high activity on the offensive glass, and switchability and versatility on defense. So, so you know, if you want to compare him to someone, that's probably the closest you can get. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and so I guess since we talked about Obi and Onyeka, when I bring Obi up, when you guys bring Okungwu up, it'll be a wash, so we don't have to go into it. But six, we're back on the same page, I think, Mike. Yeah, six, Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State. Uh, I think Mike and I are on the same page here. Six foot five, maybe pushing six, six at best. Um, probably should be the backup or either backing up Trey Young or is going to be the two guard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he'll bring a more defensive mindset to that backcourt. Um, he's got long arms. He can defend. He shot 32% from three this year on like six attempts. So um, he can clearly put the ball up. I don't like his jump shot, but I mean, clearly the numbers say that he can shoot. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, that's, that's who I, I, I guess the two of us think should go there. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I don't even need to make a comment on that. Rob, do you have anything you want uh, to talk about? I for the do. Hawks? I do because I've heard, of Tyrese Halliburton, I, I just want to take a second. <laughs> what name? <laughs> I mean, Halliburton. I'm buying that guy's jersey no matter where he Oh, is. my God. Is the Hawks? What Halliburton. What a name. I know, John, you're probably talking about what's going on in that high school Sorry. I, oh, my God. I'll see him in two years, three years, whenever he's in the NBA. What a name for yeah. Halliburton. That's all I Halliburton, put it on a jersey. 12 out of 10. I can't wait for Rob to be rocking a, a neon green Hawks jersey. Halliburton. Neon green Hawks jersey. Yeah, you know, dude, the Hawks just changed their jerseys. They're oh. fresh. Exactly. It's, is, did they do the throwback? Uh, it's like the throwback color scheme, but like a modern take on it. It's like that classic red and yellow from the uh, mm. Dominique Wilkins era. Yeah. Um, um, but 
So, oh, Halliburton right on that black jersey. Absolutely. All right. Uh, seven is the Detroit Pistons. And Mike and I, again, agree. It's going to be – we think it should be point guard Killian Hayes from – is that Germany? Um, he's German. Uh, he's from France. From, oh, yeah, but he grew up in the, he grew up overseas, but he's from the U.S. too. It's, it's a whole mishmash. The Pistons are in trouble. They also are in a position where they probably could have benefited from a top three pick so they can get their next star. But here they're going to just – And they are in talks to move Correct. Up. Just, you um, but know. everyone's in talks and interested in things. But um, I wrote in my mock draft that the Detroit's in trouble. They, they, li- they literally need everything. And I think right now Killian Hayes should probably be your pick because I think uh, Derek Rose's his trade value is probably higher than it's been since like, I don't know, his MVP year. It's as high as it's been since then. So I think he probably, can, they yeah. can try to offload him. And try to get Killian and his Hayes. contract is so team friendly. Yeah. I think he makes like seven. He doesn't make days. too much, and I think he has a, it's a team option. I think that's attached to it, but don't quote me on that. But yeah. Killian Hayes, I mean, he's a lefty. He's the first. I was watching a mock draft, and they dissected him, and he's probably the first player to like use um, like James Harden moves and kind of pull influence from James Harden, uh, which is interesting. But a lefty. Um, he's pretty shifty. He can also distribute the ball a little bit. So, I mean, that's pretty much the pick there. Yeah, sure. I, oh, sure. I agree. All right, eight, New York Knicks. I have Obi Toppin here. I don't have to say much there, but Mike, who do you have? So, I actually have Isaac Okoro here. And this is one of those picks where, like, it kind of sucks for the Knicks that they fell all the way yep. to eight. Like, Isaac Okoro is not a flashy pick. Reason being is he's not a high-powered offensive guy. But what he does do is, like, everything else. He's Not that he's terrible at offense. He's really good in the open floor. But his jump shot's a little suspect. But he's probably the best perimeter defender, like, mm. in this class. Or he's top three in this class. Really athletic, really strong. He's, like, 6'6", six, six, maybe 6'7". Six, you can probably slot him in at the small forward next to R.J. Barrett there. Um he he'll bring a lot of value. He'll he'll be something very different than any other player that the Knicks have. The Knicks have like no defense right now outside of Mitchell Robinson, but they have no perimeter defense. Yeah. So they, they need to add a guy like Okoro. Yeah, and I just had Obi because I think that Obi Obi fixes their logjam at the power forward. I think you can get rid of Julius Randle, um, and you can also get rid of Bobby Portis. I think those are two serviceable big men in the league that they can actually play somewhere and. Um, the Knicks, New York is just, it's a mess. So uh, that's why I had Obi Toppin there. At nine, that's the Washington Wizards. I had Isaac Okora there. I think that, um, you know, pending trade, he's perfect to go alongside Brad Beal and John Wall. They like to kind of get up and down the floor. Okoro gives that effort. Again, offensively, not too hot, but uh, I have them taking him there because, I mean, he's, he's a top 10 pick and he probably won't fall further than nine. Yeah, I have a Kung Wu here. Yeah. Um, and similarly, I actually don't necessarily think that a Kung Wu should fall this far. I think he's a lot better than some of the guys that we've mentioned before. But it's just that some of the people ahead of mm-hmm. this pick don't necessarily need a center, um, in my opinion, at least. And I think that if Onyeko Kung Wu is sitting here for the Washington Wizards, their pick should take all of like two seconds. Yeah. Like. He, they should snatch him up and do everything in their power to just utilize him correctly with setting screens for John Wall and Bradley. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then 10, we get back on track together. Phoenix Suns, pending they don't make any sort of trades or anything crazy. 
Uh, the pick should be Kyra Lewis or Kira Lewis, however you say it exactly. But point guard Alabama, 6'3", 6'6", wingspan. He gets north-south. He pushes the he pushes the ball. He's extremely fast. Um, and I think what he does is gives Devin Booker a true point guard for the first time in his career. Um, and what that does is just it lets D-Book focus on scoring and not having to facilitate, not having to initiate any sort of offense. He can just kind of do his thing and – um, I was thinking of a, a very athletic pick and roll with with Lewis and DeAndre Ayton. That's 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 yeah. pretty good in my opinion. Yeah, if you've never heard of Kyra Lewis, you're you're probably not alone. He's one of the biggest risers in this class. Yeah. Um, he's a true sophomore, but he's still only 19 years old. You know, he's he's a guy who who comes in with a lot of speed, a lot of downhill ability, ability to create. So really good for the Suns here. Um, I've actually seen some mock drafts have him going even higher than 10. I think 10's kind of his yeah. max just because it makes the most sense. Not that many people even knew who he was yeah. either, you know, coming into this year. So, number 11 though, moving on Ooh, to the Spurs. Okay. The Spurs are in a weird spot right now. Like this is the first year I think they haven't been in the playoffs in like 20 plus years. Like, they've been such a stalwart in the playoffs. So, they're in a strange position being in the lottery. But I think they go with the Villanova product, Shadiq <laughs> Bay here. Uh, good size, 6'8", 215, 45% from three on about six attempts per game. And he can play small forward and power forward in the NBA. A lot of versatility, a lot of skill. I think the Spurs jump all over. Yeah, every, everything in my body doesn't want Sadiq Bey to go here. I probably agree with Mike, but for the sake of differentiating it, I have Devin Vassell out of uh, out of Florida State. Small forward shooting guard kind of thing, kind of guy. Um, I mean, De- DeRozan might be on his way out soon. And the problem I see with Vassell and the problem I also see with Sadiq Bey here is that um, – They've got a lot of guys already, like Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson. Like they all pretty much do the same thing. I mean, the three is different, um, the three point percentage is different, but they all do the same thing. And, and the Spurs are in a weird spot in a generally what I've considered a weaker draft overall. Um, so I have Devin Vassell there. Um, now twelve is the Sacramento Kings. We both have pressures to chew up. Before right. we go here, I just yeah. want to give a I want to give Rob a little opportunity here. Oh, yeah. if he's got anything he wants to to kick in. Uh, Precious, I love the ESPN Plus show, so I know who he is. <laughs> That's all I have on the matter. Fair enough. I mean, just in general, like, you know, if you're looking at these teams and just kind of what their needs are, you know, too, because I'm sure, you know, you're looking at some of these rosters. I mean, the Kings are pretty much a train wreck. Um, they just can't seem to put it together. Um, but, yeah, like John said, we both have Precious Achua here, power forward out of Memphis. Really, really athletic player, but like really good length too. I think he's got something like over like a seven foot five wingspan at like six yeah. ten for the power forward spot, which is just kind of incredible. So he's he's already very good at defense, <clears throat> but he's got a ton of defensive potential as well. He's one of those high motor guys, just a lot of energy, a lot of effort all the time. Not the most skilled player, not much of a jump shot, but you know, the, I I kind of think that the Kings don't necessarily need that. Like De'Aaron Fox scores a lot. They still have Buddy Heald, who might be traded or not. 
I like think he's in for the long haul. <laughs> well, we'll see whether that's his choice yeah. or not. They yeah, got Bogdan Bogdanovich. And even Marvin Bagley can stretch the floor from the center position. So yeah. Yeah, I think getting a guy who isn't necessarily a great shooter but brings a little defensive toughness to their team is, is much better. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that the Kings are in a good position to take Precious and, and pair him with um, hopefully if Buddy Heald stays, but Buddy Heald, Fox, and Bagley, I think that brings a lot of speed and, and the youth there. You can't really kind of – you can't really knock that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Precious should be the right pick here. He's athletic and he can defend the four and hopefully – and he can block shots and, and get up and down the floor. So that'll be good for De'Aaron Fox, someone that could actually keep up with him. Um, okay, so 14, this is where my mock draft kind of fell apart. I started to get busy at work and also got kind of lazy, but I <laughs> – Wanted to really differentiate it up, and this is not this is not good at all. Like I'm going to admit it, it's probably not going to happen even close to this. But Josh Green, shooting guard, Arizona. Mike hates the pick. I think the Pelicans just need a, sh- a shooting guard, and I like Josh Green a lot. I I don't think he's worth it at the back end of this lottery. I think he's probably in the 20s or something like that. But uh, out of Arizona, he shoots the ball well. Um, he had a really good high school career as well, and uh, I mean. He's athletic, Australian guy. That's that's all I've really got to say there. All right, um, I had Devin Vassell here. John already talked about Devin yeah. Vassell, so you know we can just move on. Yeah, that's fine. Um, all right, Boston. Uh, this is again my mock draft fell apart, but I, I had uh, was it Patrick? I, I had Patrick Williams here, Florida State. Uh, just another guy that's just a tweener. Um, and Mike can kind of elaborate more on that. He watched more of him than I did, but Mike, who was your pick? For the Celtics. Yeah, so I'll, first I'll talk about Patrick Williams real quick. Um, I You'll hear a lot of different reports about Patrick Williams. Like you have some people who think Patrick Williams might find his way all the way into the top mm-hmm. ten, and you have some people like me who think he's going to fall out of the lottery. Um, I, I, I at one point actually did have Patrick Williams to the Celtics because I think they just love those you know, three, four defensive versatility guys. Uh, But Patrick Williams is a little bit of a project player. He's the youngest player in this draft. His offensive skills aren't super refined, but he showed enough of a shooting touch to, to show that he can shoot the ball from deep. I mean, really more what it is, is, is his defense. He's really, really versatile. He can switch one through possibly five. I'll say comfortably one through four. Um, So, you know, he, he, he's garnering a lot of support. But the guy I think is going to go here is Aaron Naismith. Um, and Aaron Naismith is the player I least want to see on the Boston Celtics. <laughs> and the reason being is this dude shoots the lights out. Like, if you remember how good Buddy Heald was for Oklahoma in his final year, like, Aaron Naismith was doing the same type of stuff, like, for the – 14 games he played for Vanderbilt this year. He had a minor injury that held him out, and then COVID happened. But he shot 52% from three over eight attempts per game. Like, that's kind of crazy. Like, he was literally put – he was putting up, like, 23 points per game or something like that, and over half of them were coming from the three-point line at a more than 50% clip. So, dude's one of the – probably the best shooter – in this class uh, from the three-point line. Yeah. And you, you can't really argue with shooting in today's NBA. Yeah. Um, okay, so that, that, that kind of wraps up the lottery um, for the most part. 
Now the fun starts. Yeah. So, 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 Mike, here's the thing. I think we're gonna have to go through these a little bit quicker. These yeah. You, you know what? You you just go through <laughs> it, and I think the Magic need a point guard here. Um, I think it'll be Tyrell Terry, just because he's been rising up boards. Oh, um, and wow. I, I I I do not like Tyrell Terry. Let me just say that right now. That guy's been linked to the Sixers for the last couple months, and I hated that pick. Uh, oh, that was the best. All right. I'll just uh, – so here's what I'll do. Um, I'll list the people who I think will go in these positions, and first what I'll say is I'll name what I think the team's biggest position need is and then who I have them taking. Yeah. And then instead of like really going into their play style, I'll just kind of throw a pro comp out there. Yeah. I think that's a little bit easier just to give you guys a quick yeah. – you know, who they remind me of. So at 15, I agree, John, point guard. But I actually have, like, a shooting guard slash point guard tweener here. I'm going R.J. Hampton uh, from Texas, but played in New Zealand this year. Kind of reminds me of Dante Exum. Not a slight. Dante Exum was a dude who could have been very good. He had a couple knee injuries early on in his career, but was very, very athletic. Um, Got downhill. R.J. Hampton has the same sort of boom or bust potential. Uh, at 16, Melo's not going to play forever. So the Portland Trailblazers need a small forward slash power forward. I have him taking the Pacific Northwest Jaden McDaniels out of Washington. Again, this is not meant to yeah. be a slight. He's kind of yeah. like Kevin Knox. He's very skinny, very versatile scorer. Needs to do a lot on the defensive end to improve. He's got the length and athleticism to succeed there but he just hasn't been always engaged. Uh, So moving on, 17. This is where I have Patrick Williams. I already talked about Patrick Williams. He kind of reminds me of Jeremy Grant. Um, So I think he'll be a pretty impactful pro. 18 is the Dallas Mavericks. I have them needing a point guard, which you could argue Luka kind of started playing point guard for them. But let's just say they get a point guard who can also play off ball. I think that's Cole Anthony here. Cole Anthony was like a top five pick coming into the season. Like that's what everyone thought. Massive inefficiency issues at North Carolina. I don't necessarily think that was totally his fault. I, I don't. I don't the team think it. Was I don't think it was fault at all. Um, but I, he reminds me of Dennis because that team was booty. Super athletic. Yeah. Like has some shooting touch. Needs to improve it a little bit. Um, Nineteen. I have the Nets taking Jalen Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I have him taking Jalen Smith, he's out of Maryland, power forward. They, they don't necessarily have a power forward. They have some. They have two non-shooting centers, and they have Kevin Durant, who very easily could play small ball four if they want. It's not even that small because he's giant. Um, but Jalen Smith reminds me of Serge Ibaka. Good defensive potential and shot blocking. Can shoot the ball as well. Uh, number 20, I, I reached a little bit here just because I really like Cassius Winston at point guard out of Michigan State. Kind of reminds you of Kyle Lowry. Do it all point guard, locked in on defense. Big old booty. Shout um, out to Kyle Lowry, Mike. You remember? <laughs> what'd you say? You remember the Kyle Lowry story from the Hanford League? Oh, yeah. That's inside joke <laughs> for the listeners. Also, uh, wait, so, Mike, let's do the Sixers yeah. pick and then stop. We'll go in depth. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll go in depth. And then we'll, we'll, oh, wait, stop. we'll stop the rest of the mock draft because, like, the rest of them we can get to, at a, like, maybe at the draft if we, we've recorded a live draft. Podcast. No, let, let me just – all right, I'll just go through them real quick before, <laughs> before we do the Sixers. All right, all right 22, Josh Green. Reminds me of Evan Turner. 
but... 23, Utah Jazz. This is where I have them getting Tyrell Terry. I think they still need a point guard. He kind of reminds me of Tyus Jones. Not a huge fan of Tyrell Terry. Um, Milwaukee Bucks, Isaiah Stewart. Low block scorer, Julio Okafor, but a little bit smaller, but more mobile. Um, Robert Woodard the second goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder at 25. Small forward, power forward. Kind of reminds me of OG Ananubi. Uh 26. The Celtics really need a center. I have them taking Daniel Otoro out of Minnesota. No one attack me. He reminds me slightly of college Joel Embiid with a little bit more of like his shooting ability of current Joel Embiid. He's not nearly as good. He's not nearly as big. He's like 6'10". I'm not saying he's going to turn into what we have as Joel Embiid, but he has the same type of play style. I'm telling you, just go watch it. You'll see it. Uh, number 27, Knicks. Jamius Ramsey out of Texas Tech reminds me of Gary Harris. Uh, the Lakers at 28, Desmond Bain, shooting guard, reminds me of Tim Hardaway Jr., provides immediate shooting from the three-point line. They might be looking to move on from Danny Green because of that terrible playoff performance. Uh, 29, Toronto Raptors. I'm taking Zeke Naji here. He's out of Arizona. I don't necessarily have a great pro comp for him. He kind of reminds me of Mason Plumley. Low block scorer, athletic, dunks the ball a lot. And t- closing out the first round I have at number 30, the Celtics taking Theo Maladon, point guard out of France. Kind of reminds me of George Hill. Do it all guard. Pretty good size. All right. Now going back to the Sixers, I'll let you guys take it from here. Yeah. I've been talking for a little um, all right. So 21, I know Mike said that he had Tyrese Maxey. That's my ideal point guard. That's the ideal guy I want. Can shoot off ball. Um if you look at his stats, he didn't shoot very well from three, but that's because he was pretty much the only uh, – he's the only guy that really can get off the dribble for, um, for for Kentucky this past year, but I really like him at 21. Also, other picks at 21 are in that range. I wouldn't mind R.J. Hampton as well. Um, I think R.J. Hampton is a good kind of he, – he can get there. Um, I think it's a good project, and I think that his athleticism would work well with our team. Another person at 21 I like – uh, just because he's been shooting up draft boards, Desmond Bain out of TCU. I think Desmond Bain as a shooting guard at 6'5", 220, he's huge. He's like, he's pretty really well from three. He defends his butt off. And I think pairing him with Simmons and whoever, I guess if Josh Richardson's there, um, pairing him in that backcourt would be interesting as well. Um, also, Jaden McDaniels is another guy that if he's in our range, I think that should be someone we look at as well. Um, I think that that kind of length um, would be really good to pair again with Simmons, Embiid, Toby, um, whoever's on that team still. But uh, Jaden McDaniels is a, is a good pick there. I just need to make it very clear. It is not Tyrell Terry. And I, I can't say that more than I've already told Mike over the last couple of weeks. This pick, if this pick is Tyrell Terry, it will be a mistake and nothing against the guy. He looks like J.J. Ortega Whiteside. He, went to, he also went to Stanford. He doesn't look like a – like, I don't know. I just – I – I get so many bad vibes from him because if you look at his stats from the, the games this past year, every time he played a top 25 opponent, he folded. He didn't play well. And I think that's my problem. It's just like I need guys that have performed at the big stage. And it cannot be Tyrell Terry. And Sixers Twitter needs to hop off of that. So, yeah. I, he's not, he's I don't not know. Trey Young. He's um, not. He's not Trey I Young. Yeah, don't, don't ever. I don't care what. I need somebody that can shoot threes consistently. And that's – I know Tyrell Terry's a, apparently he's a decent shooter, but apparently he stinks. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't watch the games. 
I'll watch a game if it's late at night. Maybe I've seen him on Pac-12, Bill Walton, but I'm more worried about what Will, ba- Will Jesus, what Bill Walton has to say than what's going on yeah. on the court. Like I, I don't know anything about that's college fair. basketball except that there ain't no stopping over <laughs> That's all I um, But get but yeah. Shoot. So so then, Mike. I guess if we want to go in more depth, there's three picks. We have 34. We have 36. We have or four picks. Sorry, 34, 36, 49, and we have 58. My favorite thing about all smells like this cash. is that it, well, it, it would have smelled like cash it had we not gotten like the cash. savior, the savior, uh, Daryl Morey. And I think Daryl Morey will take he'll take at least two of these. He'll take thirty four and thirty eight or whatever it is. I hope he does. and then he'll ditch the others. Yeah. So here's who I think who I want to see in the second round: Emmanuel Quickly out of Kentucky. I've said this over and over again. We got to start just drafting. Anyone from Kentucky. Anyone from Anyone from Kentucky. Take him. Anyone from Kentucky. Emmanuel quickly can shoot the ball. He can. He's a. He's a really good spot up shooter that can kind of work in with our offense. I think, and and he he does play defense um, at a at a good enough level that I think that he can compete in the NBA. He's a little skinnier. He's from the DMV area. Um, he was a filthy in, in high school, and he kind of got lost in the Kentucky shuffle. But I think that he'll have a really good NBA career overall. Um, I also can we take Quade Green. No, Quade Green's not in. He's, he's he's still in college. He doesn't go to Washington. Kentucky, but he goes to, no, he goes to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah he, 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 I, he's he, still he said, a Kentucky guard in my eyes. Yeah, he said Plan A. His whole thing was Plan A. There's no Plan B. But now he's at Washington. And I'm really wondering whether that's Plan B because technically it is. But that's besides the point, I guess. Um, so I, I want to see. I want to see. It looked a lot better though. Yeah. Um. For whenever he was eligible to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I want to see Emmanuel quickly there. Um, another guy I like to see again. Desmond Bain might be a second rounder. Um, I want to see Lamar Stevens out of Penn State. That's just a Philly guy. Like I, I obviously want to see him come back. Sick. He was really good in the PCL. He was really good at Penn State. His issue is that he's a tweener. Back to back first team all Big yeah, Ten. Yeah. And and his issue is that he's going to be a tweener in the NBA, and he's not. I don't think he's big enough to at six seven ish two thirty ish. I don't think he's big enough to really play the four necessarily. I also don't think he's like offensively gifted enough to play the three. But if Derek Jones can make a name for himself in the NBA, I think Lamar Stevens absolutely deserves a shot. And why not bring him in in Philadelphia? And the third player I'd like to see, and Mike already knows who I'm going to bring up, the JUCO man himself, Jay Scrub. Also a very great name, uh, in my opinion, Rob. But Jay Scrub, he played Juco yeah, basketball. He's, he's not a scrub. He's 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 good. He's a good basketball player. But the issue with watching his film is that it looks like he's playing against YMCA people all the time. Um, he but he's really good. Smooth lefty, six foot six. Probably can play both guard positions if he works on the playmaking part of it. Because in Juco, he was like literally just a, a lethal scorer. Um, he could probably play a little bit of the three depending on, on, on the matchups there. But that's another guy I really want to see for the Sixers. To- All right, I'll throw a couple names out here, um, and these are just going to be quick. Malachi Flynn, yeah. San Diego State, true point guard, made San Diego State like one of the top teams in the nation this year, which is really good to see because I really like San Diego State. Um, he's, he's definitely one of the guys sort of at the top of my list in terms of second-round prospects. A um, couple other guys I'd like to take a look at. Um, oh, God. Oh, Yudoka Azubuki yeah. out of Kansas. That dude 
registered way more athletic than I thought he was going. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember you yeah. telling me, and I was like, "What the hell, dude?" He had like a forty-inch vertical, and he's like six foot eleven. He's he's literally pushing three hundred pounds. Really big guy. He's huge. Like two seventy might be generous, like in terms of like being light. Like he seriously is probably like two eighty-five. Yeah. He's a really really big dude. And he's, like, very low maintenance. A lot of offensive rebounds, put-back scores, good rebounder, good shot blocker. Um, so I think that, you know, he's definitely a guy to look at. John already brought up Emmanuel quickly, so I won't talk about Emmanuel quickly. I think he's I think he's a good option. Um, but I think these scoring guards or these guards are really where we're going to have to look into the second round. And a lot of the people we mentioned in the first round have the potential to fall to the second Um so it's kind of hard to say. Uh, like, this draft has just a lot. Of, it's really muddled. Like, once you get to the back half, like, people could go anywhere. So I think the Sixers have a variety of needs, especially when it comes to our bench. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, they could go wrong. I don't want to say that they can't go wrong, but they can't really go wrong with drafting a player at any one specific position as long as, you know, they, they see the value. Yeah, and, and here's here's a kind of like my final thoughts because we're coming up on kind of a really long segment here. But with these second-round picks, and I think I've said it before, and I, I think, Rob, you agree with me the one time I said it, but we have a G League team. Like, we, we do have a G League team that we own. So if you even see a hint of talent, which is That black, runs an NBA offense. Correct. That ran a better NBA correct. offense than our NBA yeah. team did. Um, like take these guys, like put, throw them on that team, pay them, throw them on that team, and maybe they become good. That's what the Raptors did. That's how Chris Boucher was born. That's kind of how Pascal Siakam became Pascal Siakam, and that's how Fred. Oh, yeah. This is the guy I forgot to mention, Grant Miller oh, oh, out yeah, of yeah. Charleston. That dude, like, and I, th- you're gonna be like, oh, you're just saying he reminds you of Fred Van Vliet because he kind of looks like. No, Fred he's Van Vliet. Fred They Van have Vliet. a very similar play style and a very similar body build. They're both very small guards, but can shoot the crap out of the ball from distance. Like, and he's gonna be one of those dudes. Like, I'm not saying he's gonna come in and start scoring like 20 points a game. He's definitely not, but. Like, just talking about the G League, like, throw him on the team for one year if you don't think that he can provide immediate value. Like, he's going to, he's going to wind up on a team in the NBA, and he's going to prove that he can score the ball. I, I, like, I agree with you there. I mean, that, that's why I'm saying, like, what, it's a second round pick. Just, just take the chance on them and just let them play. I also, I need to put this guy in here, too, just because, uh, this is Ben's boy, um, Cassius Stanley out of Duke. Uh, Ben really likes him, has really liked him over the last year. Um, athletic two guard out of Duke. I mean, he, I think he has limited shooting ability, but that athleticism is going to carry him a long way in the NBA. And he's, I think he's being underlooked overall, but I mean, I don't particularly like him or want him, but I know that Ben, that's like his guy. So, um, but yeah, no, I just put these guys in G league. Hopefully they develop. And if they develop, then, then so be it. We have bench guys that we can go to. I think that's one thing we've been lacking. And I hope that the Maury and the coaching staff, staff and the Jameer Nelson crowd everyone that's new and fresh blood I think that needs to they quite literally need to just spread like a virus and just take over this organization and maybe we'll be Maury seems like a Maury does seem like a draft a guy to take a chance yeah yeah which which is why I'm I'm a little bit excited about that but yeah Yeah. again I I assume we're going to trade at least two of those picks so that's just me ready here we go 
And here's the last thing I want to do, and we didn't necessarily talk about it, but I know before we really started recording, Rob brought this up that he's got a couple opinions on CP3, D-Book, league-wide trades. So I'm going to just open the floor up, Rob, if you want to just sort of talk about your thoughts across the league more than directly related to the Sixers. This is very, very brief, but I think that where there's smoke, there's fire. I think Chris Paul's on the move. I heard uh, when I was listening to Zoe, or Lowe that OKC is all of a sudden in the mix for the number one pick, so maybe there's a package that involves, you know, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Shea, and that first pick. Somehow, some way, Bray's involved. I don't know. I, th- I just think Chris Paul. Is Shea, Shea is not going to be involved. I think that, there's no way he's staying. Yeah, continue. I, I saw that rumor that Ben Simmons for Shea and Chris Paul, and I said, I will fly home and Shay, yo, you know who would love that, Mike? Shay and Chris Mike, and Shea Mike, you know who loves that? Brother. Justin would love that. Yeah, dude, Justin loves. I, I think Shay's a really good player too. He's um, very good. That's interesting. He's just Chris super all around. For the long. Interesting. I do have one more thing. Just as my final closing, get me Quade Green, <laughs> get me Lamar Kimball, get me Lamar Stevens, <laughs> bring Langston Galloway home for the mid-level exception. That's my closing I was going to say, I can't believe you're bringing up all these Philly guys and you haven't brought up Langston Galloway. Dude, you love uh, he's, Langston Oh, he's been on my radar. He's been on my radar forever. Like, pre-Twitter radar. <laughs> he, he's a loyal follower of my personal. <laughs> of your personal. I, I'm sure I he's bet, very I loyal. Bet. Does he favorite all your tweets? No, but back when I was a freshman and he got signed by the Knicks to a 10-day, I did him congrats. He said, thanks so much. So I think I'd get him on the podcast if <laughs> he, he said, saved I those love DMs. You. Well, I mean, if he, if he still has those DMs, I think I can get him to get on the show if he signs for the Sixers. It's an interesting point. I don't know. I, I think, oh, God, those trades are interesting. If that's Shea one, Shea's one of those guys that I would consider the Ben Simmons trade just because I really do like Shea, and I think that pairing him with the right people would worth, be worth it. But, you, you, I think you guys are right. Like the team, pretty much stays the same, intact. They'll add a couple of pieces. Hopefully, they can move Tobias or Al Horford, I guess, to get a contract off the books. But um, you know, I've been saying this for pretty much every team to Mike, at least. I said, hey, they should be looking at twenty twenty one draft because that draft is going to be loaded. That draft's going to be filthy. So that's my closing remark on that. And I guess we'll see what happens on Wednesday and then Thursday, and hopefully. We'll get Ben on. Uh, we'll shoot for a podcast in two weeks just to kind of recap everything that happened. So maybe the 26th we'll record again. And who knows if I make it to, to John's house in West Philadelphia, maybe we'll live catch. Yeah, we'll see. So um, we'll figure that all out, I guess. Last thing, if you made it through this nearly two hour episode, easily our longest episode. Thank you for being a ridiculously loyal listener because I don't know that I would have made it through this and this is my content. I, I actually agree with that very much. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, thank you, again, thank you again for listening. Thank you, Rob, all the way in LA for joining us. We'll get Ben back. Hopefully Ben is uh, done studying by then. But yeah, uh, we will catch everyone in two weeks, hopefully. All See right. you guys. Talk to you guys See later. You.